Good morning. Welcome, welcome. We're so glad to see you this morning. We're excited to worship with you. If you want to just stand up. Good morning. Everyone's excited to see everyone. Hallelujah. The Lord says that there'll be joy as we gather in the house of the Lord. Amen. So we're just going to praise him and give him all the glory and honor that he deserves because he is indeed worthy. Because of your love, 
Because of your love for me, my God's so good. Never give up, never give up on me. Oh, what joy I found because of your love, because of your love for me. I'm not a slave to sing, so I'm singing. You are good, buried in Christ and rising your freedom. You are good. You make the promise you keep it. You are good. I praise your name as long as I'm breathing. You are good. I'm not a slave to sin, so I'm singing. You are good. Buried in Christ, rise in your freedom. You are good. Jesus, you keep it. You are good. So I praise your name as long as I'm breathing. You are good. I search the world, but it Treasures that fade are never enough. But then you came along and put me back together. And every desire is now satisfied.
is so good, Chuck. Praise his name. God can do anything that he wants to do. All week I've been thinking or just telling someone before church about this, the story of the multitudes and the loaves and the fishes. If Jesus wanted to, he could have just fed them. He could have made bread and fish, right? Because he can do anything. He can do anything that he wants to do. Yet he chose to use the one with the five loaves and fishes. And I'm sure that the person with that thought that Jesus and the disciples probably would have just shared it, but he brought what he had forward. And then he let the one who is the ultimate multiplier and the one who can do things that we don't even understand, he brought what he had in his hand to the multiplier. And that's been hitting me so hard if we would just bring him what we have and let him do the multiplying because it's not about us at all. It's not about what you have, what your giftings are. He's gonna be the one to do what he wants with it. But how many times do we see 5,000 people or whatever's big in your life right now and we say, Lord, we don't have enough for them. How am I gonna help them? It's just me. And I just, He's saying, bring what you have and let him do what he does best. Let him feed the 5,000, plus the women, plus the children, with your little five loaves and your two fish. So let's worship him today, knowing that he's the one who makes a way when there is no way. When things seem impossible, he's the one who decides how it's going to play out. Will you trust him with what's in your hand today? Will you trust him with the gift that you have? Because what you have is exactly what is needed for the people in your life. What you have could feed people who are starving spiritually. Because so many times I think we think it's a physical thing when it's really not. So let's just offer him what we have today, knowing that he is the one who will do as he pleases. If we're just obedient, what will he do with what he has in you? Amen. Way 
get you working. Never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see that you're working. Even when I don't feel that you're working. Never stop, you never stop working. Never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see that you're working.
and he is so, so good. He is never changing and he never fails. Hallelujah. We're glad to have you here. If you would just go around and greet some of your family of faith this morning as we get ready to hear the word that we have today. Man, well, it's good to have you today. Good morning. I don't know if the lights are all the way up. Feels like they're low. There we go. Okay. I was hoping my eyes weren't getting foggy. Anyways, well, it's good to have you today. Kind of a rainy day, but getting the 70s today, I heard. So that's good, right? Maybe, maybe spring. Maybe spring has finally made its way here, right? Amen. All right, tithe and offering. If you have something to give, uh, you can prepare your envelopes. They're in the chairs in front of you. And if there's not one there, you can wave your hand around. The ushers have uh, offering envelopes. They also have prayer cards. So if you have a prayer need, we'd love to join in faith with you over your prayer uh, needs. So go ahead and grab, ask one of those and fill it out. You can get it to me or give it back to the ushers. And we will uh, make sure we're joining in faith over those things. But anyways, uh, let me pray over your giving this morning. If you have something, you can bring it down. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to be in your house to, uh, to worship you and, and to be together this morning. Lord, and I just pray as we give uh, the blessings of the Lord are upon us, Lord, as, as, as uh, we are people who live by faith and, and that you are always our faithful provider. And, and I do specifically pray, Lord, for those that may be struggling financially, Lord, that you make a way where there seems to be no way. You open doors uh, that weren't open before, Lord, that you uh, always, again, Show yourself faithful because we know you are, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. So if you have something, you can bring it. Uh, a couple of announcements real quick before we jump into our Bibles today. Um, don't forget, tonight is Youth Hangout Square at 6 o'clock. So if you have a, a young person 5th through uh, 12th grade, tonight's their night, so they can come. Uh, 
Uh, they'll be here a little bit before 6, but it starts at 6. They'll have a little bit of food here for them. It'll be a good time, and that'll run roughly till 7.30-ish in, in around that time period. So you, you can drop them. You don't have to stay and come pick them up between 7.30 and 8 o'clock, but they're going to have a good time. And uh, these are things we're going to start with our youth in addition to our Wednesday night youth hangouts. Um, just to kind of give them their own service, a little breathing room up here so they'll have their own worship and everything right here in the sanctuary and something we want to build uh, for the young people in our church. So anyways, that's tonight. So if you have a young person, bring them out and have them invite a friend too. That'd be great. Uh, don't forget, two weeks from today, we have our uh, church vision casting Sunday. So we'll have normal church, as always, on Sunday. Uh, maybe the service will be a tad shorter. We don't run long anyways on a Sunday. But if you are a member of this church, you call this your home church, whatever terminology you use, we'll ask you to stay after that day. Bring some food to share. We're going to provide uh, fried chicken or something like that. And then we're going to cast vision for the rest of this year, also into 2024. I'm going to update you on upcoming outreach opportunities. I'm going to update you on the finances of the church, uh, things concerning the building, and all that kind of stuff. We haven't had one of these in a while, so... I felt we needed to get together. I'm just going to uh, just give you information that Sunday. So that's right after church on the 21st, two weeks from today. And then also, if you signed up for the basic discipleship small group that is happening during Wednesday nights after worship, during the message, that starts this Wednesday. And Judah, wave your hand around. He's leading that. So a few signed up back there. So what will happen, we'll have worship this Wednesday. Uh, and then uh, after that, you can dismiss your small group. We'll still have uh, church as normal. Uh, there'll be a message Wednesday night. And by the way, I'm continuing. We're back on relationships. And I know uh, tonight's the youth thing, but also our, our normal youth hangout is this Wednesday. Um, but just so you're aware, I'm teaching Wednesday night relationships in, in regards to human sexuality. So I purposely did it on the night that our youth will be out. Uh, it's not like a PG-13 message, but almost. So anyway, that's this Wednesday. And then, but if you want your young person in for it, that's good too. So that's this coming Wednesday after the, with the basic discipleship group also happening. Oh, and by the way, last but not least is don't forget by the back door, if you haven't picked one of these up, is our uh, Sycamore House fundraiser that we're participating in. And if you know about the Sycamore House, they do a wonderful work in our town and we love to support it. So. The deal is take a baby bottle, fill it with your change, or you can throw cash in there, it don't matter. Bring it back here, and then we'll turn them in together. And I think the deadline is the beginning of June, so you have one more month for this. Okay, so grab one of those and take those with you, and then uh, we'll support the good work they're doing in town. All right, Bibles if you got them. Let me see who brought a Bible today. Show me. I want to see who's got a Bible in the house. Amen. Good. I'm glad you bring a Bible to church. Don't always just rely on the verses on the screen. That's good. But bring a Bible, and if you have it on your phone, that's cool, too, as long as you don't get distracted by your phone. Everybody says amen. All right. You're alive this morning. Good deal. Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 16. So as we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, uh, three weeks ago or so, whenever that was, We've been looking at post-resurrection happenings in the Gospels since then. So two weeks ago, uh, we talked about Thomas and, and uh, as he's called, Doubting Thomas, and what he uh, not only needed to see to believe, but how Jesus said, blessed are those who do not see yet do believe. And we talked about that. And last week, we talked about the restoration of Peter 
from his three denials as, as John chapter 21, Jesus meets him on the beach with a fire and talks to him uh, about his future. And, and no matter your past, Jesus is always putting a future in front of you. You believe that? Amen. So that's what we talked about last week. But today, I want to talk a little bit about the Great Commission. So Matthew 28 and verse number 16 says, The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But this, this next, these next three words, uh, whenever I read this, it sort of amazes me a little bit. But some doubted. That always amazes me. That Jesus can do everything that he can do right in front of you and yet walk away and, and, and have doubt. My goodness. But Jesus is, is, again, part of what he does. And this is the last uh, thing that he does physically with them before he ascends. He is giving them some direction. So even though there were some that doubted, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And, and that's going to be kind of stamped in when he ascends to the Father. He sits at his right hand. And as the Bible then says, that all authority and power is beneath him, under his feet. Now, because of that, watch this. Go. Here's an action. Go. Therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold... I am with you always to the end of the age. So in this final scene with Jesus, before his ascension, Jesus gives a directive that's known as the Great Commission. Uh, in in the, the youth sanctuary that I used to have uh, with, with all the young people when I was a youth pastor, I put that verse, Matthew 28, 16, above the door. So when they walked out, they would always see that verse and maybe hopefully in their mind be reminded, I'm going Therefore, make disciples of the nations. Something I wanted to put in their heart and their mind every time they left. A commission, as it's called, is sort of an instruction. It's, it's, it's command. It's duty given. See, there is a duty given that we are to be a light in this world. It's one of the purposes that we share as believers. Now, I understand that shows up in a lot of different ways. Not, not everybody, in fact, not, not many, are actually called to like go to foreign nations and, and do that, and some are called go. But whatever your life touch points are with other people, you are called to go and make disciples, to be a light in this world. We all have the great commission given to us. And Jesus tells them to, to make disciples of people, baptize them with water. In other words, integrate them into the community of believers, the body of Christ. And then here's the rub, teach them to obey what the commands of Jesus. There is no discipleship without obedience. Amen. You hear that? Let's just throw that out there. There is no discipleship without obedience. You can claim to follow Jesus, but not really follow him. You can claim to be his disciple, in other words, be disciplined into his likeness, but really not allow that to happen in your life. And then he, the, the great thing that we always 
uh, grab hold of and lean on, that he is with us always, even to the end of the age, until he returns again. And that is in, in the activity of the Holy Spirit who has been sent to us. But one way we can look at the Great Commission is I'm going to take you back to the Old Testament because I want you to catch the heart of God when it comes to going. And there's a lot of different ways that we could look at this, but there's something I want to bring out because of the day and the age that we live in right now. And all the things that are happening in our society, there's a certain point that I want to bring out to you about the heart of God in going and making disciples. I want to go back to the book of Jonah. Now, see, Jonah, and you, you can go find it in your Bible. It's, it's towards the back of the Old Testament right after Obadiah. Okay, go find it. To Jonah chapter 1. But Jonah, it, it's a narrative of a single prophetic mission. As a matter of fact, the whole story of Jonah is four chapters, 40-some verses long. One story there. Now, here we find Jonah who is a Jew, and he has been commissioned by God to go to the people of Nineveh, who are Gentiles. And the Bible says that he is, and we'll read this in a second, he is told to take a message of repentance. In other words, he's told to go preach against it. Now, at the time, by the way, even though the, the Jewish scriptures really started to, to say something different, the Jewish people were very protective of the fact that they were the people of God, and they didn't want to really share it. Even though the prophet Isaiah and other places that the role of Israel, even as we find that that is wrapped up in Jesus, is to be a light to the nations for God, they were very protective of being the people of God. But in the book of Jonah, we see here a picture of a bigger work of salvation as it concerns the entire world. Now, Nineveh, by the way, it was known for its sinfulness and its debauchery. Part of the Assyrian Empire, it was one of the, the seats of, of that empire. It was an important city. Uh, the Assyrians were known as typically brutal people, by the way. So, and, and this was sort of, these sort of things weren't out of the norm. But like, for instance, if, if the Assyrians conquered you in battle, and if they allowed anybody to live and they took captive, they would typically put hooks through the, through the flesh of their jaws or in their noses, and they just pull people along. And they were brutal in how they treated people. Sinful people, right? Uh, they were enemies of Israel. So here you have Jonah, a Jew, being told to go to the Ninevites, Gentiles, brutal sinful people. And, and watch what happens. Jonah chapter 1 and verse number 1. And now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, now, by the way, let me just say this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Jonah uh, wasn't in any confusion that the Lord spoke to him. He knew what God told him. He wasn't in confusion. I'm not sure God said, or maybe I kind of missed it. I mean, he knew for fact that God spoke to him. And what did God say to him? Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it or preach against it, for their evil has come up before me. Okay. But Jonah, he rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Let me just tell you something. 
you can never flee from the presence of God. You can run, you can hide, you can bury yourself in a hole. You cannot get away from the presence of God. But yet, here's Jonah. And Jonah ran from the Lord, and he says, He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. In other words, Jonah was running to Tarshish. He was getting as far away from Nineveh as he could get. Because even though he heard the word of the Lord, he didn't want to go do it. Now, of course, this is one of the great stories we have in our Bible. So, so we know, and I'm not going to read down through this whole thing, but Jonah gets on the boat and they're sailing. And the Lord caused a great storm to come up. So much that the ship started breaking apart. That's a pretty big storm. So, so the, the, the people on the ship, they're throwing cargo overboard to lighten the ship so, so it would stay afloat longer. And finally, and these, these are pagan people, Gentiles, they started crying out to their gods to try to appease and, and, and make the storm calm down. In the midst of this, they find Jonah sleeping. Isn't it in the Bible where there's always a storm and somebody's sleeping? But anyways, um, they wake him up and they're like, hey, uh, we got this big storm. Maybe if you cry out to your God... Maybe he'll listen and uh, the storm will appease. And Jonah admits to them, look, I'm running from my God. As a matter of fact, he is the God that made all this. And that, that really made him, made him scared. No wonder this is happening. And, and Jonah actually offers to have himself thrown overboard. Good guy, I guess, in that regard. Now, at first they didn't do it. But eventually they listened to him. They threw him overboard. And then there's the storm calm. And as you know the story, when he gets in the water, here comes a big fish. And he's swallowed by this large fish to which he spends three days and three nights in the belly of this fish. Uh, and of course, as you remember, Jesus later says when he's being asked for a sign, he says the only sign I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah, which, which uh, plays into on the third day his resurrection. While he's in this fish, he, he prays to the Lord and, and the Lord causes the fish to vomit him onto the land. That's a nice ending, is it not? If you run from the Lord, eventually you end up in... Anyways, that's a good thing to remember. Um, so, so he's vomited onto the dry land. So let's pick up in Jonah chapter number 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And this time saying, arise and go to Nineveh. He's getting the same word. That great city... And call out against it the message that I tell you. So now Jonah, he listened now. He, he, he arose and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days journey in breadth. So in other words, to walk across the city, it would take you three days to walk it. And Jonah began to go into the city, a day's journey. And he began to cry out. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overturned. He was prophesying. Now, here's the amazing thing. Watch this. And the people of Nineveh believed God. Think about that. And the people of Nineveh believed God. Pagan Gentiles who worshipped other gods, but they believed in the God that Jonah was proclaiming. Let me tell you something. There is nobody 
And there is no people group that is too far from the reach of God. Amen. And they believed God. Not only that, but they called for a fast and they put on sackcloth from the greatest to, of them to the least of them. Now watch, this is happening. And the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his room, covered himself in sackcloth and satin ashes. That was the thing they did back then, showing a time of mourning. And the king issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by decree of the king and his nobles. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. They, they put a fast on the entire land, including the animals. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. And let them cry out to, mightily to God. And let everyone turn from his evil way and, and from the violence that is in his hands. And who knows? God may turn and relent uh, and from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And when God saw all that they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Amen. Jonah prophesied 40 days, and Nineveh is going to be overthrown, but they turned from, from their ways, and, and God heard it, and he relented. So in 40 days' time, Nineveh was in good standing. See, Jonah... And getting the heart of why Jonah ran from him, this is the point of today. Jonah was displeased by the fact that maybe Nineveh could turn from their ways. See, if, if you look in, in chapter 4, let's go to Jonah chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Watch that, that's amazing. And he prayed to the Lord and said to the Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my own country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I know that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore, now, Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better to die than to live. And the Lord said to him, do you have right or do you do well to be angry? You see, you see his attitude? Jonah would have rather die than see the city turn from their ways and turn to God. See, Jonah wanted Nineveh to get what they deserved. He wanted judgment and not grace. Justice, throw that first slide up, please. Never let the want of judgment of others overtake your compassion for others. You hear that? Never be against a people so much that you really don't want to see God bless them and bring grace, but you really want them judged. Because you don't like them, they make you angry, they push your buttons, they, you just don't like what they do and what they stand for, you don't like how they act, you don't like how they present themselves, judge them, God. When the whole time God's probably speaking to your heart, hey, go to Nineveh and preach against it. Because here's the thing, 
And we were talking about this Wednesday night in, in our time of prayer on the National Day of Prayer. Preaching against Nineveh is also preaching for Nineveh. Christians, if, if all we are known for what we're against, we're missing the point. You hear that? If all we are known is what we're against, Jonah was against Nineveh for right reason, because Nineveh was sinful. They were pagans. They worshipped other gods. Yet, yes, did they deserve the judgment of God? Yes. Was God against their sin? Yep. Because the Bible says their sin came up before him. Was God going to judge Nineveh? Yep, the prophecy in 40 days, the city's going to be overthrown. There was judgment coming. But before judgment, God is always for you. Isn't that right? Before judgment, God is always for you. Just don't be against stuff, but before stuff. Because if all you want is judgment, then ultimately, you're kind of sitting in God's place. Now, think about this. When Jonah ran, he was basically telling God, I am going to stand in between you and the possible grace of this people. Think about that. He was sort of playing God. He was trying to remove the opportunity of grace for these sinful and lost people by running. And all the while, just wanting them judged. And it went, went amazingly, amazingly, it happens. Grace comes and they turn from their ways. Jonah's mad about it. He's upset. See, can you imagine being so repulsed by a people that you only want judgment for them? Or maybe you can't imagine. You think about, let's just stay in our own country, American society, a group of people that repulse you because you don't like how they act, you don't like what they say, you don't like what they stand for, you don't like what they do, you don't like the trouble they cause, you, don't, and you can make your list and you're against it. But you're so repulsed by them, all you want them to be judged. And have lost your compassion for them. Never want judgment so much that you don't have compassion. Yes, I want God to judge in, 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 in the way that he will. But yet, but God. Because but God can do what happened in Nineveh. Can he, do you believe that? Then why would we not want but God to step in and something happen? Why wouldn't we? Where is your compassion? Amen. Where is your compassion? Remember, Jesus himself said that he came to save those that were lost. It is the sick who need the physician. So God asked Jonah this question, so I ask you. When God comes and offers grace, when God comes and he offers patience, when God comes and he relents for at least a period of time of judgment. By the way, it was only a couple years later that Nineveh was destroyed anyway, so 
repentance has to stick. Let's just say that out there. But when God shows himself to be compassionate and slow to anger, abounding in love, do you have a right to be angry about it? That's what he asked Jonah. Do you have any right to be angry that God may be gracious and compassionate and slow to anger towards someone you think needs simply judged? Do you have any right to decide who can receive grace and who can receive compassion and who can receive the patience of God? Well, again, Jonah tried to decide by not going. And, of course, we know the answer is no. We have no right to be angry in any of that. And I think it's at this point that sometimes we don't think God's doing his job good enough. Because, man, if I was in charge, I'd already zap that person. Man, if I had been charged, I'd already taken care of those people. Guaranteed, man, affliction of all sorts of stuff. I'd have wiped them out. Why? Because I don't like them. They anger me. They push my buttons. I don't like what they do. Think about it. But no, we don't have any right to be angry at the work of the kingdom of God. And by the way, even when it comes to judgment and the carrying out of judgment, that lies in the hand of God also. Yes, judgment will come. Yes, there is a consequence for sin. Yes. But thank God for his grace and his compassion and his patience. Just a second slide, please. See, listen, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, it is for the wicked, it is for the vile, it is for the lost, it is for the sinner. And remember, that was you once. And thank goodness God was for you and not just in judgment. Thank goodness there were people in your life that were for you and weren't just wanting you to be judged when you were lost and in your sin. Thank goodness. See, it is the wicked and the vile, the lost, the sinner that Jesus actually came for. Think about it, he came for them. See, there, there was another time in the Gospels where Jesus is talking to a group of Jewish people. This is in Luke chapter 4. You can read it later. We're not going to turn there. And he's talking about Israel, but he's talking about uh, some things that happen as we find in the Old Testament scriptures that dealt with people outside of Israel. That there was a, a widow that was not a Jewish uh, a woman that Elijah was sent to during the famine. And God provided for this non-Jewish widow. But, and Jesus says, but yet while there are so many widows in Israel, God was sent to this Gentile woman. And he also mentions uh, the story of Naaman the Syrian who was healed of, of leprosy. A Syrian, a, a non-Jew. Yet while there are all these Jewish people that had leprosy, God healed this non-Jew of his leprosy. Jesus is making a point. It made them mad. That blessing may come to those who are outside of those who we think deserve blessings. See that? That blessing may come to people that are outside of those that we think deserve blessing. And it makes us mad. That we're sitting at the table of fellowship with the Lord. You notice 
hey, how'd they get here? Who gave them a seat over here? And it just upsets you. I know them. Lord, Lord, I know you know all things, but I bet you're missing this. I, come over here. Let me, let, me tell you, let me tell you a little gossip about that guy. Right? The Great Commission. Go into all of the world and preach the gospel. Making disciples, baptizing, teaching them to obey. See, being a light in the world is not by your definition. Nor is it only for who you want to share the gospel with. See, we're saying this Wednesday night when we were about to pray for our nation. I'm against things, certainly. There are things that I think need to change. But I ultimately know that we can make all sorts of changes as laws and things in our nation, but it really doesn't change anybody's heart. You, you could sit down and, and, and just rewrite all the laws of our country and make it just how you want it, but that doesn't save anybody. What saves them is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus. That's why the mission of the gospel is above anything that we do politically. Because politics can't touch it. So, again, the things that bother you the most, how much are you willing to be an answer in the gospel to those things? That's a big question. That you're not so repulsed by a person or a group of people that you would be unwilling to share the gospel if you had the opportunity. So, so uh, as you see, and it's really ramped up over the last six or seven years, and a lot, lot of parades and, uh, um, uh, I don't know what you want to say, protests. And if you're watching it and you don't like it, you're probably, maybe people think, I just wish God would come down and wipe these people out. My gosh. You know what I'm saying? I don't think it's the right attitude. I think the right attitude is maybe somebody needs to go share the gospel. See what I'm getting at? Maybe the right attitude is to pray for them, pray first. Maybe the right attitude is maybe God will shake your heart and move you out of your comfort zone a little bit to do something about it. Instead of just being against it, being mad. In your own way, running from the word of the Lord, like Jonah. You may not jump on a ship and get swallowed up by a fish and vomit it on the, on the dry land. That may not happen to you, maybe. Maybe not. But maybe in your own heart, you're running to share the gospel in the areas of your life where you can Because again, nobody is beyond the grace of God. Nobody. To to be a light in the world that's effective for the kingdom is a life that is driven by a compassion for people that mirrors 
For God so loved the world that he sent his son. See that? See, sent his son mirrors go therefore. He's sent. That there's a compassion for other people that goes beyond what you're against and what you don't like. That reaches out to humanity that needs Jesus. Right. Because every person that is lost in their sin was made in the image of God. Every person that is lost in their sin is the one that Jesus came and died for. Every person that's lost in their sin, if they respond in faith, even though they're still messed up when they respond, they're saved. Now learn what it means to be a disciple. I want our church to be full of people who are messed up but are seeking Jesus. Can those of us that are already in the church be mature enough to have that and not bug you that there's people here who's got to work their stuff out and then have patient, patient compassion so it gets worked out? Because that whole judgment issue can happen in the church too. It's not a free-for-all of sin in this place, but the point is you got to work stuff out. It takes time. I wish we all had the easy button, and we're all perfect. Welcome to the perfect club of believers here at Only Believe. And we know that's, that's just a big, crazy pile of mess to say that. Because we're all working on it. Amen? So, so what I want to do to close out today's service is... I wanted to if you find that microphone. I'm going to do this every now and then. I asked uh, Judah if he'd come and share his testimony. You've, you've heard a bit about me, but I'd like to have other people come up and share from time to time. And I don't know what Judah's going to share. I asked him if he'd just take uh, maybe three or four or five minutes and just share uh, his story of coming to salvation. So anyways, there you go. You want to move that back over here? So I got a little shield no okay amen no that was perfect the story of Jonah every time I'm like why didn't just Jonah tell him to turn the ship around right he could have been like it's me it's my fault just turn it around and take me back and we'll be good no like pastor said he's like I'd rather die I'd rather just die than do what God said to do than go to Nineveh right because his heart was hardened toward Nineveh and so we think, Jonah, right? Why'd you do that? And I'm like, that was me. When I think about it, I think that was me. There was a time where I knew the Lord was trying to get a hold of my heart. I know, looking back, now that, I, you know, after I got saved, I realized for years and years and years before, even from the day I was born, right, he was, he was trying to get a hold of my heart. And I didn't realize it then. But, but at, at a point, I knew he's trying to grab me. Because I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it in my heart. I know what, you know, what, this is different. I know this is different than what I felt. I was about 16. And uh, so I remember a couple times where uh, mom and dad would, they'd do things like Mother's Day, Father's Day. I didn't have to get them anything. They'd be like, just come to church with us. I'm like, gift card for you, I guess, you know. But no, I would, I would go, right? It's free. I'd go. And I remember one time specifically um, over at the Nazarene Church here in Urbana. They were there at the time, sitting there during the worship time, just looking around, right? Big 
nice, beautiful church. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost starts moving. I don't remember what they were playing. I just remember, oh, no, you know, this is happening inside of me. This is going on. I'm feeling something, and I'm, you know, I'm getting emotional. Um, I was a big, tough teenager, right, 16 years old, doing whatever I wanted to do or trying to, right? And this is happening. It's real. So what happened? Like Jonah, I left. I think I went to the bathroom, got out of there, right? Um, Secretly kind of wept and kept myself together. Didn't repent. And I don't remember if I went back in the service or I just kind of hung out till the end. Either way, didn't want that. Another time, um, they were going to renewed strength. Same thing happened. Worship's happening. God's, he's trying to get me, right? He's pricking my heart as hard as I think he could at the time. And I thought, I'm not doing this. I'm just, I'm going to do what I want to do. And at the time, I wanted to do anything but what he wanted to do. (laughs) So he kept trying and trying. I didn't, you know, didn't give my heart to the Lord that night. So things inevitably, you know, my dad, I remember my dad telling me one time, he said, Jude, I know you're going to get saved. I know you'll be a Christian at some point. He said, if you just do it now, there's a lot of hardship that you can avoid. You know, there's a lot of things that are going to come up on you that you can just avoid if you just give your heart to him now. Maybe Jonah's dad should have told him that, right? Like, you may get swallowed by a fish one day if you don't listen to the Lord, right? I don't know. But I said, yeah, whatever. Okay, you know, so inevitably dad was right. Went through a lot of hardship, you know, about the 16-year-old, 15-year-old age. Went through a lot of stuff. Uh, got into a lot of stuff and ended up on a, a heart reader, heart monitor, because it was messing with my heart. You see, it was a physical thing, and I wasn't listening to the Lord, but the Spirit was working on my heart at this time. And I look back, and I see it now, like, man, I had heart problems, not just in the physical, but in the spiritual. I was having heart problems. So I wore this little monitor thing around for a day. It was only like 24 hours. Um, and then I had to go back down to Dayton Hospital. They had to take it off and put it on a computer, read it, see what was going on. And I couldn't get a ride down there. Mom and dad were probably busy working. I don't know. So my brother uh, offered to drive me. And my brother and I, he was saved. He was a Christian. Um, we didn't click much. You know, we didn't really have anything in common. And so when he offered to drive me, I was like, all right, yeah, that's great. I'll, you know, we'll go down there. So we went, went down, had a good conversation. This was a Friday night, um, August, August uh, 6, 2004. And he said, hey, I'm part of this group. It's a, it's a, uh, it was a singles group at the time at a, at a church, uh, Renewed Strength Church. He said, I'm part of this group. We meet on Fridays. You should come tonight. So here's what happened. God said... I'm just realizing, like, God tried to get me a few times, right? He started to move on me. I resisted, pushed him away, ran away, whatever. This time, he said, you know what? I'm going to set up a trap for this guy. I got tricked into being saved. I'm just telling you. We always think the enemy is the only one who sets traps. But let me tell you, God sets traps too. He sets us up. He moves us into the place that we need to be so that he can do the work he needs to do. Amen? So what happened was, Joe said, my brother Joe said, hey, we got this group, you should come tonight. And I'm like, nah, I don't want to come tonight. But I felt obligated to go. 
because he drove me all the way down to Dayton, right? He did me this favor. So I was like, all right, man, you did me a favor. I'll do you a favor. I'll go to your group. So we're at this group, 20 young college age type, you know, um, in a circle. They got a guitar, right? They're singing some worship song. Um, I'm sitting around there. And then it was weird because all of them, they like, you know, they were lovey and huggy and stuff. And I was a nice guy, right? But I wasn't into that kind of thing at the time, really, at least in the open, maybe in secret, but not, not in the open. And they all were talking about how excited they were. They were like, man, I'm excited tonight. Something's happening tonight. You know what I mean? And I'm like, man, when is this over? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, they all went around, and, and I guess the idea was anybody who wants to share something they're thankful for, right, let's just do that. Well, I didn't share anything. I didn't talk. I didn't know anybody except my brother and, and one other guy there. And uh, so they moved out of that, and then there was a fella, a young man named Byron Trosel, who's went home to be with the Lord, but he started sharing his testimony. And he started saying everything the Lord had rescued him from, everything the Lord had done in his life. And he said, and now the Lord gets to use me, and I get to be used by the Lord. And he said, if any of you want to be used by the Lord, then just come up here. And he, they put some music on and whatnot. And until that moment where he said, if any of you want to be used by the Lord, until that moment, I just, I wasn't there. My, I was just ready for it to be over, bub. But when he said that, that's when the Lord sprung the trap. Because he didn't move my heart before that at any point. I don't remember being moved. And when he said that, God flipped a switch. And all of the wants that I had before that night automatically were gone. I didn't want to go out into the world anymore. I didn't want to be in trouble anymore. I didn't want to run from the Lord anymore. All I wanted was to be used by him. Right? He set me up. He tricked me. <laughs> and so I went up, you know, after he got down and they were playing the music, I went up to the altar and knelt down and I didn't know what to say. I didn't know the, you know, the sinner's prayer. I didn't know what I said, Lord or God, I want to be used by you. Use me. And then I started feeling hands coming on my back. And, you know, a couple minutes went by, and I got up, and every person there was up there praying with me. I realized I was the only unsaved person there. So, yeah, that was a trap that the Lord set. And uh, praise God that he didn't say, I've tried once. I've tried at least twice. He ain't coming. He said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to develop a different plan. I'm going to do something different. Instead of trying to get him to make the decision over, you know, love and kindness and and pricking his heart, I'm just going to trap him. I'm going to set him up, and then I'm going to move in power, and he's going to get saved. He's going to say yes, right? He knew exactly what to do. So just to, just to uh, give you encouragement, if you know somebody, or if it's you who's been feeling the, the pricks of the Lord on your heart, there's a lot you can avoid, a lot of hardship, if you come to the Lord now. But if you know somebody who you know the Lord's working on them, <laughs> the Lord can do different things, right? If it hasn't worked the way that you think it should have, he'll set something up, uh, else up. He can trick that person right into being saved. Then they're stuck, right? Because <laughs> we can't escape God, and I know that for a fact. Amen? Amen. Oh. 
um, a couple of different things you were talking about, just about the Lord grabbing your heart today, or maybe there's something you've been running from, you know, that God is calling you into. How about this? How about we all stand up on our feet? And uh, if, if your heart is responding to what Judah's saying, I just, I just want you to slip your hand up real fast. Anybody? Anybody here? Anybody else? Okay. I, I want Judah to pray prayer for you based on what he was just saying. And after that, we'll close up. But, but beyond that, if, uh, again, if you want prayer beyond this prayer, come down and I'll have Judah will pray with you today. All right? But, uh, and then so, when we're done, Who's done praying? Justice is going to turn the live stream off. I want to meet with everybody that's a member of our church. Slide up as far as front so I can address you real quick before you go. But let's close out with this today. But if you want more prayer, please come down. I'll address everybody. Then we'll get to those prayers. So go ahead. Heavenly Father, I pray today that you would put yourself as a roadblock in front of those who are running from things that they know they need to be doing. Lord, I'm convinced that the further we run from you, <clears throat> the more we run into you. Every time we try to turn and run from something that you have set up for us, you block us. You say, here I am again. Here I am again. You put yourself in the way. So I pray today, Lord, that whatever that is, we just stop running. We just stop saying no and start saying yes. God, that those moments where you move our heart, where you move in compassion upon us, We'd just say yes to that. We'd realize that we've been made free from sin. And as we've been set free from sin, we became servants of righteousness. Lord, whether it's a stronghold in our heart, whether it's a thought that we've had, whether it's something new that we've resisted, let us just say yes today. I pray for all those out there, God, who are in this place, who are in the place of running, that they just say yes. It can be over today. You can start a new season with the Lord today that moves you into the next thing he has for you, something greater. Lord, I pray that you give us the power, the wisdom, the time, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so again.